Hi folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA and today we're going to have another episode from our sister podcast, The E-commerce Leaders hosted by myself, Michael Vesey and Jason Miles. I'm the Amazon guy and the Brit and Jason is a Shopify fanboy and over in the west coast of the States. If you live in a multi-channel world, stay tuned. I hope you enjoy today's show. And if you want to find out more about the podcast, just go to theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, no gaps. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. Now, I personally charge between $300 and $400 an hour for big projects, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just go to myamazonaudit.com and book a time. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T dot com. Now, I just want to say that today's podcast was recorded back in the times of COVID and lockdown. And although the challenges were very different then, I felt it was worth uh, resurfacing this episode because there's so much that's relevant to the current challenges we're facing in mid 2023 and beyond. So if you can translate some of the COVID specific stuff, I think, think you'll find there's a huge value in this right now. Let's jump in, man. Let's jump in. We, I think we got a great topic for today, which is pivoting, changing your business or you know aspects of your business from one thing to the next. And of course, under great stress, it's a time for pivots. You know, I mean, it's, it's a time for people to do things that maybe they by either being forced or, you know, maybe they're, they're just looking for opportunities. I think it's a time for people to consider this idea. So what, what are your thoughts on it generally? And then let's dig in. Yeah. So I just want to give a bit of feedback on the reality of, of some very good Amazon sellers, but not huge. They're not doing 50 million a year or something, but the, yeah. the 10K Collective meeting had a, a meeting Mastermind had a meeting a couple of days ago on Zoom and it was actually just as packed and just as hard to, to run as, as in person. You know, it's like, it's a bit <laughs> like herding cats working with entrepreneurs, but I love the energy. And actually it was the same kind of thing. I mean, I was, instead of having a whiteboard at the front, I, I shared the screen and I was busy typing notes. So I'm a massive note taker for some reason. And uh, yeah, it's busy and the energy's there, but yeah, people are, it's a game of two halves. So okay. a lot of people are finding that their sales have gone like, down like mm. 80%. And a couple of people. Who Did you say eighty or eighty percent, eighty-eight zero, and and some people wow. are finding that the sales have tripled. Um, but there's not much in between. It's quite extreme. Wow. So those Binary. who have got the sales down are obviously having to do a number of things. Some of which I wouldn't classify as pivoting. It's like pulling their horns in, and, and yeah. maybe well, one thing actually that, that, that they're saying is that you know some people are repurposing their stuff which is an interesting form of pivot, but they're paying okay. them. They're either going to get rid of them or yeah. pay them to do nothing or get them to do different stuff, which is mm. interesting. So for Amazon sellers right now, not just because COVID mm-hmm. shut down various channels, but specifically Amazon is tending to make it very hard to fulfill most stuff that it isn't perceived as quotes essential, which yeah. includes some odd things that aren't really yeah. essential. It's it's really, really top of mind for Amazon sellers right now. So, And even if it yeah. isn't, I would say you should be top of mind if you're on Amazon because I still think you have a very high percentage chance of getting suspended for three months at some point if you're a really big seller because I know a few who have like, and that's super painful. Mm-hmm. So I think it's forcing Amazon sellers to do what they should have been doing anyway, which is reconsider the business model. <laughs> so that's interesting. on it. Yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned that. Our coaching clients that are big in Amazon have been largely positive 
I don't, I, we don't have any clients that have been negatively hurt in this, you know, last whatever it is, four weeks, six weeks, whatever. But, but many of them are, are up nicely. And, but yeah, absolutely a time for pivot for people in those situations. And, uh, you know, in fact, it's funny, you, you mentioned the up being, you know, up that much. We have some clients who are up as well. And, and one of their concerns is uh, their sourcing. You know, the, the, the pivot to them, the, the successful sellers that we're helping them through is sourcing strategies to uh, ensure that they have quantity available. Because, you know, you get kind of in these patterns, this plateau of what you think Amazon will kind of absorb. And then if it really radically changes, you're like, wait, 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 I'm not, re- I'm not sourced yeah. adequately for this. And so that's a whole different pivot potentially too, is do you go from one manufacturer to a collection? You go from China-based manufacturing to US-based, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is that I've been talking to various guests for the podcast and one issue is, for example, getting freight from America to the US, I'm sorry, America to the USA, from China to the USA. And for basically sure. the cost of air freight's doubled and the speed of it has gone down a lot. So most people are being pushed towards sea freight. So that's one logistical issue. China yeah. is in theory back open, but I, I would be very wary of whether they get a secondary infection and you know, sort of surge and shut down again to a degree. Yeah. I think the labor's there. Raw, raw materials have gone up, so costs are going to yeah. be up. What else was the summary from that? And then, of course, the fulfillment in the US. Yeah, FBA sure. is very challenged. A lot of fulfilling, FBM, yeah. so fulfilling by merchants. So third-party warehouses aren't taking on new people or are very expensive. So there's a lot of logistical challenges. It's, it's not just, have I got enough stock? It's like, how much is it going to cost me? How am I going to get mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. to a warehouse? How am I going to deliver it to the end consumer? Yeah. I would point out as well at the time of recording, which is like sort of early-ish April, the US has got off the charts infection increase day by day as well. So I think yeah, it's not a stable yeah. situation either. So yeah, there's there's a lot to consider when it yeah. comes to, to that situation right now. Well, let's do a couple things in this show. Let's define what, we're, what we mean by... Uh, You're right. Pivots. We should define our terms. Define your yeah. terms, sir. What is this pivot of which you speak? Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing let's get into is types of because it's not just for Amazon sellers, of course, it's for many, many areas of yes. business and different uh, genres of, of topics. Absolutely. So, okay. So what's your, what's your, let's define the term here. What, what do you think we oh, can t- do? Traditional so pivots. I'm trying to think, I can't remember what the original use for, for Twitter was supposed to be something completely different. And then they realized mm-hmm. that this, you know, this thing where people were sending short messages seemed to be very popular. So they pivoted to make mm-hmm. the whole business about that. Uh, another example of a pivot is I believe that the early phone companies used SMS messaging was a way to get engineers just to tell each other stuff easily and quickly. And it's oh. absolutely huge now. I, I communicate nearly all by message rather than phone calls because I find phone calls pretty intrusive and, and inconvenient most of the time unless it's been arranged. And so the, those, I suppose what I would call a pivot is you going in one direction and then you stop and turn on a pivot and then go in a mm. new direction because you perceive that that's going to be more successful or it turns out to be more successful. Or so that's my or, basic yeah, thinking. Okay. Yeah. How about oh, yourself? I, What's your take on the word pivot? Yeah, I would add the, the rationale for pivot is some, it's, it's, it's pain or gain. It's, it's, it's something's not working and it's broken and you realize it and you, you wake up and think, this is just not working, <laughs> you know, or you wake up and think, oh my gosh, if I only did this, I could make this happen or you know you you see the the green field or the big opportunity the moonshot potential and and so you're drawn to 
a change. And then, and, and obviously the pivot is the point of change. Uh, and I think I what say. you just articulated the position that a lot of people that I, I know it's not just for Amazon sellers, but the people I personally know are normally in one or other camp right now. They're not just neutral. Mm-hmm. That, that neutral ground has been removed by this COVID situation. And actually, if you dug deeper, you'd probably find that structurally that was, you know, maybe going to happen on a basis of a different crisis, but mm-hmm. some kind of crisis would have made people realize that. Can- can I just speak to that though for a minute? Because Please. I think it's fascinating. So people are, what you just said is people are polarized right now, either really opportunistic, like, Hey, I can, this is going to be great. Or really like, this is horrible. I, you know, I have big problems. I, not to go on a tangent, but I was a training manager at a police department for a year as a contractor. And it was a, generally, I just didn't like it at all. But that, um, that is a very different from what you do now, right? <laughs> I know. It was a long time ago. Really, I was really young and I wasn't a, I didn't train the cops or anything. I just coordinated, you know, like the SWAT team guys would bring their, you know, dogs in and canine training and all that kind of stuff. And I would, I would just book the meeting rooms and, you know, stuff like that. Well, one of the times I, I, I was working there, I rolled up just on the freeway behind a big wreck, just coincidentally. And, and I got out of the car. I was like the third car behind this big uh, three car disaster. Hmm. And I was paralyzed with fear. I, not fear, but I just didn't know what to do. I guess I was afraid to do the wrong thing. And I just stood there literally. I mean, I was just, I guess I was in shock. I just didn't know how to, I didn't know if to touch the people or what to do. No clue. And so I just did nothing. And, and then I went to work the next day and my boss was this crusty old police Lieutenant. And I told him the story and he said, Jason, were you trained to know what to do? And I was like, no. He said, well, why would you assume you would know what to do in a situation like that? And I think the lesson for all of us right now is we're in this weird, we, are we in the Great Depression you know, right now? We don't know. We're in this weird new thing. And I think a lot of us are going to like these extremes, super exciting, super horrible. And I think the trained mind, the disciplined mind is to say, wait, I got to slow down. I got to get my emotions in check. I've got to think logically. And not make, you know, not be paralyzed by fear, but also not act rashly. And I mean, it's really a moment for all of us to say, you know, is my mind leading me astray with either misinformation or fear or, you know, whatever. And so anyway, that goes into pivots, I think, a lot is the the background psychology. I think you're right. And actually, I mean, you know, Kate, I'm not a doctor, as you would say, but (laughs) I would say I'd hope that what we can offer in this podcast, because I think Pivot's going to be one of our very central themes. We've consciously fleshed out quite a few things. And I do think that, as you said, you know, not a doctor, but we can offer some trait, not exactly training, but at least thought through, you know, conversations that lead people to be able to, for themselves, think about it rationally and then come out in the end with a robust thoughtful response and that's one of your favorite words thoughtful and it's a very good word because it's not a word many entrepreneurs talk about action and i think if you're very action oriented and yeah. you you go from emotion to action right now it's going to mm-hmm. lead you astray and i think that, that the thought in the middle is the bit that i hope we can provide yeah. you know well let's make it personal a little bit and, and we want to talk through types of pivots and maybe even what the the challenges with pivots are but what in your life in your business career you have any big pivots that have really shaped your destiny at all or changed your life? My destiny. Well, I've certainly pivoted a lot in my career. I mean, my CV is very varied. I would say 
I think ultimately, if you, I've pivoted several times and what it, a lot of it comes down to something that that's a common thread, which is communication. So that I started off, I went to university to study languages and ended up pivoting to music because I just got more passionate about it somehow. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a surprise to anyone that I went to university something to do with language. I'm very verbal. And then after pivoting out of music teaching into online selling, and that was from pivoting out of being trained to be a coach and being, okay. I think, a good yeah. music coach, but not being good at marketing myself there. I then got pivoted into mm-hmm. the e-commerce world through Amazon. And yeah. then I suppose the biggest pivot in a way is, or it's, it's mostly, is partly a pivot of attention and focus for sure, but it's, it's also an addition rather than just instead of, is out of the actual e-commerce selling to pretty quickly deciding to run the podcast and then out of that the consulting and then the masterminds, mm-hmm. which it took mm-hmm. about three or four iterations to get to where the masterminds are now. And what I feel is that if I look back at this messy looking trajectory, there is a common thread, yeah. which is communication and bringing yeah. people together, whether it's an orchestra or a bunch of mastermind members, there mm-hmm. is something about running the dynamic of a room and, and, and coordination and stuff that fascinates me. And that's just why we have, we're having a podcast conversation right now because I just yeah. find it intriguing. Yeah. And, and I think in the end, I used to give myself a hard time about this because I should be like a pure physical product seller. But what I realized is if you add value to the system somewhere, at some point people will pay you and that will be proof that you're adding value. Yeah. And that's it. So all you got to do is add value and then monetize yeah. that. And then it's called yeah. business, right? So I guess that's that's my kind of wacky answer that I yeah. pivoted a few times. Yeah. And, and I think the lesson in what you just described is really important, which is, you know, they, people always say, follow your passion or don't follow your passion. I don't. And I think that's so simplistic. I think the real question is you're on a journey and you just continuously have to say, do I go left here? Or do I go right here? Which do yeah. I feel best about? What am I most energized by? And sometimes you're just like, you know, I can see an opportunity here, wherever it is conceptually, but I just have zero energy for it. Yeah, right. You know, people yeah. for me, literally, you know, I'm, I'm the guy frequently that'll speak at conferences about Shopify, like at the Amazon conferences. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me afterwards and they clearly haven't listened to anything I said. <laughs> and their only response to me is, you should really be selling on Amazon, man. You don't even sell on Amazon. I'm like, didn't you just hear me talk about, you know, Shopify? It's, it's by design. And, and I, you know, it's so hilarious that people, you know, they, they want me to do something that for me, no energy, yeah. no enthusiasm. No, it's just not what I want to do. And I think that part of our journey, all of us is just leaning into things that we have energy and excitement for and ignore the rest, you know? <laughs> I think you're right. And I think actually giving yourself permission, it's weird. Like if you're well-educated, quotes and quotes, my, my mum and my grandmother were teachers and my dad was a lawyer. So, you know, he's retired now, but so I could be forgiven for being a bit too rule following and, and giving myself a hard time. And I'm British anyway, give a tradition of that. You know, we almost celebrate failure. It's like the one guy in the 10K collective meeting the other day, his sales had tripled, kind of like looked embarrassed <laughs> because the other guys, <laughs> their sales are created to like a fifth or something in a couple of cases, not at all. Yeah. A lot of them are sort of, you know, in the middle, but uh, it, it's strange because you're right. In the end, there are things that energize and things that don't like I've been offered, yeah. you know, some, there's a guy sort of almost been chasing me and I'm, I'm making a hostage fortune here because by the time this is published, he may have said I'm not interested and gone away, but it's a man with literally potentially hundreds of thousands of pounds to invest in working with you on Amazon. But I've been, he's wanting me to kind of create the business from scratch in the yeah. sense he has no particular affinity for a particular type of product. And I'm just not drawn to doing that. I mean, like, that's yeah. so 
not attractive somehow. I'm finding it really hard to motivate myself. And yet other things like you got in touch. I'm like, yes, that would be great because mm-hmm. there is such a richness in what we can explore here. And, and who knows where it leads? Mm-hmm. Does it lead to doing a course? Does it lead to me implementing this stuff with my e-commerce yeah. business myself? I don't know, but I think you, you're right. You've got to give yourself permission to follow your instincts yeah. a lot of the time. I mean... Yeah. But having said that, though, let's let's discuss. This is weirdly going in a different direction from what I expected. But let's follow this because we <laughs> guess we're talking about mindset, and I guess that's not yeah. an, a wrong thing when it comes yeah. to pivots because it's as you intended. What's your motivation? Is it um, mm-hmm. desperation or inspiration? Is it pe- pleasure or pain? So how then do we square that thing of you said don't just follow your passion or you're implying that think rationally, but on the other hand, you've got to trust this sort of intuition that we both talked about. H- how do you think that we square those two things? Well, I mean, obviously, we're all capitalists, I think. I mean, this is like the great game, isn't it? Is making money online. And, yeah. you know, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff we can want to do. And then the question is, is it ringing the cash register? Yeah. And so to me, the, the, the great uh, equalizer is, was that profitable? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and that's the reality. That's the hard, cold, you know, hard, cold cash is the reality. Was this uh, a profitable venture? And if it's not, think through that. Because honestly, because we started our charity, my wife and I, in 2010, and we happily spend a ton of time on our charity. We take no money out of it. It's not for personal gain at all. It's yeah. a labor of true hard work, effort of love. Mm. And But we know it's that. You know what I mean? Like, yes. So we, we try to be deliberate that it's charitable. It's not in, in any way going to be helpful to us. It's the opposite of that. And, but so to me, I mean, I think the big question is, uh, are these pivots moving you towards, uh, you know, the, a bottom line reality that's positive outcome? And uh, that's the goal. That's the obvious. Okay. So l- let me just reframe a, a question that's similar to that one then. Why do you think people struggle with pivots? Because people often do hang on to stuff that is a really bad situation. Anyone yeah. from the outside, like as a business coach, you must have seen this. I see this so often. People come to me and I want to cry. And then I, I don't know what to do. Like literally my first ever coaching session like in 2016 with somebody in, in Amazon business coaching it was a couple of man and a woman and man and wife and the woman literally cried in the session thank god it's never happened since but I, I just didn't know what to do because I thought I've got to deliver the bad news so why do people not pivot yeah yeah it's a great question isn't it I mean I you probably have a million answers to that question yourself I mean the the thing that I see people do the mistake mental mistake I see people make frequently is just the what you know what psychologists call the sunk cost fallacy. And, and so, you know, it, like if you've invested a lot of time into whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Your willingness to move off of that thing onto something else feels in particular, like mentally and emotionally painful because of all the time you've previously spent, which is, that's referred to as a sunk cost fallacy. And the reality is if you just walked away and stopped, because if it's not working, then you know, why have that emotional and mental commitment to something? Well, we just, it's a mental hangup we all get into. So I think that's a big one. I think the other one that that comes to my mind, I'll mention one, another one, and then I'd love to hear your, your thoughts too. But another one that comes to my mind is um, people are just overwhelmed with their own ability to execute sometimes. I say it's an Amazon seller, for example. If you're, if you're side hustling an Amazon business and you're trying to make a go of it and you're staying up till one, two in the morning, you know, sending boxes out or, you know, doing whatever. You just don't have time. And you you don't have to mental bandwidth to think through a new plan. You you know, the idea of changing to something else is appealing, but you don't have the, the, you know, burn the ships 
I have to change. This has to stop right now. I have to find a new thing by, you know, Monday morning uh, pressure because you're kind of in it and it's consuming all your time and you can just sort of get in this sort of mental groove. There's a funny old American phrase that, you know, people will say, which is pick your up carefully. You'll be in it for the next 20 miles. And, and it could be true. I mean, you know, you said people who are selling on eBay that started 25 years ago, they don't want to be on eBay, but they're just on eBay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what scary. I mean? So I think think that's, you're right. Pick your rut carefully. Yeah. There's some scary statistic about the, the rate of people that change their um, current account with their bank or checking mm-hmm. account, I guess you call it in the States, is, is lower than the divorce rate. It's just weird, isn't it? People are more committed to the bank or rather they just think it's wow. going to be so painful to I've never change. never heard that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know quite what it means, but it means something. I'm just it putting it out all, there. We're all nuts. We're all crazy. <laughs> so, think, what have you seen? I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, yeah, why? Do, um, like that first couple... I think invest. I think the sunk cost fallacy. I think is really very, very big. I think you put your finger on it. I think investing a lot of time or money, investing in motion and hope is really big. Oh yeah. I would sure. say, uh, which is well, like for example, this lady mm-hmm. put a lot of time and energy and, and just kind of hope into. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's a yeah, dream. you're not letting yeah. go of a load of widgets. Whereas you know, frankly, mm-hmm. I got you know, I got a problem. I got approached with a cease and desist letter for some some widgets on Amazon a while ago. And I had the opposite problem, which is like, I didn't care enough about it. They weren't that mm-hmm. unique or differentiated. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I just want to let go of these. I just want had enough yeah. of it. And I'm going to be giving them away to, to some charities. I mean, you know, so I'm, because yeah. I have no big emotional attachment to them, but even yeah. so I was attached to the idea of the money for a while. So I guess we all get mm-hmm. emotional about money and we've got to be honest about that. The other yeah. thing that strikes me is though, especially with Amazon, it depends how you approach things. I would say that how you start a relationship with anything or anybody sets a sort of unconscious but really powerful set of rules for yourself. How do you, how do you mean? Like what do you what mean? I mean is the, the, if you're sold into Amazon at, as a sort of magical it's a device, concept. Mm-hmm. yeah, that can be very, because you you can spend, you know, in my case, I spent like $3,500 on some training and I'm not saying it wasn't good or at the time it was mm-hmm. a bigger opportunity than it was now and it's easier than it is now. And I know some people who've taken the exact same training at the same time and and have made millions. I, I haven't, but yeah. I felt it like for quite a long time it felt you made some kind of not religious commitment that would be overstating it, but some kind of yeah. commitment to a concept, to an idea. And ideas are very powerful things. I mean, people die for ideas. Yeah. People die yeah. for the idea yeah. of being a Marxist or, a, yeah. of yeah. course, a jihadist Muslim in, in a lot of Africa or East Asia. Yeah. People die for the idea of being an American or a Brit in, in the yeah. army. Yeah, you know, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I mean, I, these sound like far fetched. I'm not talking about religious mm-hmm. or, or you know, dying for your country level, but there is something yeah. weirdly strong about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm a Shopify person. I'm an Amazon seller. I'm an ex. It's, it's an identity, it's, uh, I guess. You know? Yeah. The the other thing that I've seen like that is people get committed to Facebook advertising in almost a cult like really i haven't come across that that's very interesting there are people there are people who are convinced that's the solution and you know we'll get coaching clients who come in and that's the first thing they want to do and i'm like do you have a brand no do you have a product strategy no (laughs) well then let's back the train up a little bit and talk through but they're just convinced that facebook ads are you know can it comes down to salesmanship they've heard some course or webinar or seen the you know the whatever, whatever, you know, online presentation. And, and so, yeah, I, I take your point though. People get committed to these concepts. Really? The death they, of the concept yes. is exactly. an important part of the journey of transformation. 
Yeah. And I think when you put your finger on something, which in a way I, I'm kind of hoping that nobody who sells Amazon courses is listening be- or Facebook courses, because <laughs> yeah. actually what, what you've, what I've just realized in myself as well, I'm really have a quite articulated this is like, like the usual therapy type session here, but is that you really have to say stuff very hard on an idea in order to part with some money and then a lot of time yeah. and energy and stuff. It is a kind of part of sunk cost, but I think it's different from money, time, effort, or even emotional attachment to your business. I think it's an attachment to the idea. So, so I think, yeah, there's a lot that you've got to let go of to pivot, man. No wonder nobody ever does it. You know, Cialdini, and this is not true. Cialdini is great on the influence triggers, of course. I and mean, if you're not familiar with his work, Robert Cialdini. And one of them is commitment and consistency. So one of the psychological triggers that is is just in reality part of our mental frameworks is you know, commitment to to prior you know thoughts and ideas and we so so that and that's good or bad depending on your salesman you can use that to your advantage or whatever but it's a part of reality and so I think yeah that's the that's the takeaway is you've got a commitment mentally to a concept and and to pivot means to be willing to break with that and to look at new alternatives. And yeah, that's a key, key part of it. So, okay. Now we've examined why nobody normally pivots in normal times. <laughs> we, we ought to just kind of look quickly at, well, actually what I haven't done is ask you about it because we, we don't have to rush on this topic because we're devoting many yeah. different episodes to this because it's so critical and so timely, I think. I mean, it doesn't matter if people are listening in 2021, I think it's still going to be relevant, but it's particularly timely in the mid, mid 2020. So what's the biggest pivot? that you've ever had to do in your business? Because you've asked me about that and, and yeah. I'd be fascinated to know about that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, an old, I'm an old guy at this point in my life. So I've had a lot of pivots so career-wise and that kind of thing. I had different career journeys. But for our e-commerce business, there's one point that was really, really critical. And we started on eBay and we, where we started was we needed money. It was a great recession, 2007, 2008. And my wife was insanely good at making uh, doll clothes. And you know this story. I've, you, you know, I've been on your podcast before. And so she could make this stuff that looked like little Dior outfits or little, you know, like name and name a top designer. She could make a doll sized version. And, and I was the marketer. So I would do the auctions and they were auctioned. And, and, and I, you know, we created a little brand and a logo and we would write descriptions and do good photography. And the auction started going for, you know, first one was $39 and $79 and $99. And then they got up the highest auction ending price we ever had for one of our outfits was $500 and 75 cents. That was our high watermark. And over the course of about 18 months, um, it got easy for me. I would just hit relist or just, you know, just cut and paste the content and, you know, change things. But for her, she was so until midnight making this stuff. She'd spent three weeks on, on uh, one of these outfits. And so the money just didn't make sense. I mean, if it, if it was sold for three, four, five hundred $500, there was no money in it in terms of profit. Yeah. And she was killing herself doing this. And so she, after 18 months, she was totally burned out. I was super, super hyped about online selling because I felt like we had gotten ourselves into the world of e-commerce and I was so excited. I was just like, this is like, this is go time. But I had this critical partner. I mean, my business partner, it was really her business. I was just the marketer and she was done Mm. with that. And so for the summer of 2009, we took the summer off and we just really, really had a lot of conversations and, and thought through and I read stuff and searched. And that was the summer that we thought through the pivot to physically moving away from the physical product and moving towards the digitally downloadable sewing patterns. 
See, what and, I find fascinating about that story is what you've mentioned, because we, we've talked about it before on yeah, one of the yeah. previous episodes, but the nuance there is we took some time off and we thought, we, we were talking about at the beginning, weren't we, about mm-hmm. the, the difference between where your emotions are at and then action and, and yeah. you know, I think that that thinking gap is something that as entrepreneurs, yeah. I mean, like a lot of people just think forever and that's called research, aka fear. But then the sort <laughs> yeah. of people we're addressing, you know, your clients and the 10K Collective members and my, my you know, most of my coaching clients now yeah. actually are in the weeds and doing the thing. And that, right. as you say, they're packing boxes at 1am or whatever it is they're doing, updating yeah. the listing at 1am. And actually, for those people, I think the timeout is critical. And I think enforced timeout, like you're having now. And this could be that time. Really, that in many, many great people. time. I, I yeah. mean, my wife's um, been running yeah. around London, playing the piano and, and teaching like crazy and actually has, you know, 100% of her playing work is stopped for the moment. And she's actually got some time to reflect. And Thinking. Yeah. Useful, actually. Yeah. I think it's yeah. essentially, it's actually come at a really good time for her. I, yeah. I'm not wishing this thing on anybody, but I think... Yeah people underestimate the value of thinking time sometimes. I totally agree. Yeah. So that was our, that was our big move. 2009, the, the fall, we started with just a handful of uh, sewing patterns and um, now we have close to 3000 and our site is one of the top Shopify sites. Pixiefair.com is the site. You can go check it out. We have just a huge catalog of digitally downloadable sewing patterns, online classes and a membership site. Those are the three elements that really make our, and you know, make our business, and we've sold millions and millions and millions of dollars of that, and it's really changed our life. The rest is history, I guess, as they say. But yeah, I mean, that was our biggest pivot. So, okay, yeah. so let but let's let's circle back just if it's okay. Let's let's describe a few other pivots. I mean, I described yeah. mine, which which I would call that a product strategy pivot. Yeah, really, and it was also a platform pivot because eBay didn't you couldn't sell a digitally downloaded file on eBay. And so, so we had to change platforms to our own website. So, but other side, uh, other pivots, other pivots. One would be from side hustle to full, full-time, you know, e-commerce person. You know, like it's your full-time occupation. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's many. I mean, you know, I mean, there's lots of, lots of pivots. What are your thoughts on those? I mean, what, what are top of mind pivots for you that your clients? Yeah, are, think I think, about? I think e-commerce business models are really important. I think the retail arbitrage thing or online arbitrage is, uh, yeah, I think stepping onto, you know, some solid ground from very shaky ground. Yeah. One model to the next. Yeah. I think solopreneur to manager is really big. And sometimes people define business Mm. size by top line revenue. And on Amazon, it's not that hard. I mean, it's hard, but it's not very Mm. hard to get to, you know, a million dollar run rate. And I've got a member of the mastermind who's probably on $3 million run rate right now, but he's got no staff, no VAs, no nothing. And he's sitting on a monster opportunity there to to expand, but he's going to have to get used to the idea of getting out of the business. And by the way, he's beautifully placed because he was so bored recently. He was considering selling his business and we looked at it and went, well, why don't you actually replace the boring bits and then just keep the income stream? (laughs) Just saying. And we went, oh yeah, he's he's a very interesting guy. He's he's about 25 or something. He's very chilled, but also very, very sharp. He's kind of a real mixture of very sharp and very lazy. And that's like really very good good. person to have running a business. (laughs) You know, Bill Gates used to say he wants to employ lazy because they're smart. You know, lazy is not a fair thing to say. He works, he goes goes and does stuff, but he's just got a chilled manner. Yeah. So that's like, for me, that's the number one person I can yeah. think of who's sitting on the opportunity and the pivot for him is going to be one yeah. to two people in his business. That's going to be a big leap for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think another one for me that I, we get a lot of clients that are platform 
you know, they, they, they have a successful Amazon or eBay business. They know what they're selling. They know how it works. They know their customer. They have a brand and they need to expand to walmart.com or expand to Shopify. And so that's the journey they're on with us. You know, I mean, that's, and that's a big pivot. It's really actually in a way, it's not a pivot as much to say it's a layering on of new sales channel. You know, so it's, I guess, technically a pivot of sorts, but it's, it's expanding the sales channels, you know, deliberately. Yeah. And I yeah. guess the other thing is, it kind of is mentally a pivot, but the other thing is adding on other traffic channels. Let me try that again. Traffic channels. Sorry, I'm trying to put channels and strategies together. Maybe that's a new word, which we talked about in the last episode. And and I think for Mm -hmm. Amazon sellers, even though it's kind of not a pivot because most of Mm -hmm. the business is going to reside on Amazon, they'll do the fulfillment, they'll do the selling, a lot of the traffic. But even the idea that you can get traffic from elsewhere is a a big change. Once you get outside of that, then the rest is addition, not pivoting. Mm -hmm. But I really think that is still mentally a big pivot for a lot of Amazon sellers. Yeah, sure. And what Um, they should make, I think, as well. I tell you another one, and we could go on and on probably all day on this, and with these will all be episodes maybe in the future, but one of that my wife and I are really, really struggling with right now, to be completely uh, candid, is we have an office downtown it's on Main Street. It's a, it was an old travel agency that we, uh, in 2015, we took over. And, and uh, it's, a great, it's a great office, tons of storage and stuff. But we work from home most of the time. And so we're in this weird limbo of, can we, you know, do we, do we have an office where we're there nine to five and we have all our employees show up or do we not? Do we run from home and is it a virtual team? So for us, the, you know, there's no question about having a team. We have a big team, actually. Um, but we've gone back and forth between having them be, you know, sort of work from home in their own context to work from an office with us. And we vacillate back and forth one day. We'll talk about it and we'll be like, yes, we need it. We want to be like, you know, Google, if it should look like a WeWork space and be awesome. And we have, you know, teams running around. And then the next day we're like, man, it's so nice to work from our back deck <laughs> you know, and just work from home. And it's just, we just, we're pivoting back and forth in our mind and at this point, we're just confused. And these are hard choices. They're, they're hard choices. They're hard choices. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is one of the members of 10K Collectors is doing, he's doing like about £100,000 a month. So well, I don't know what that is, $130,000, depending on the exchange rate, part-time on top of the day job. Now, I presume mm-hmm. the day job is, is, you know, I don't know, he's, he's able to work from yeah. home probably at the moment. But one of the reasons that he's not going full-time into Amazon business, because when he does it, he wants to have a physical office and a physical team. He's very clear uh-huh. about that because uh-huh. he really likes running a team and he's very good at it. He's uh-huh. a super sharp guy. And yeah. that's very interesting. A lot of people you know, sell the Amazon slash Shopify slash whatever Facebook marketing dream as sit on the beach in Bali with your laptop, right. which is right. obviously a terrible idea because the internet is probably non-existent and you get sand in your laptop. But yeah. But for him, it's the opposite. He wants the structure. He mm-hmm. wants the team. He wants the physical interaction. And right now, a lot of people that are isolated in the same way as the guy on the laptop on yeah. the beach are probably wishing for the same thing. So this is, mm-hmm. as you say, it's an interesting one. That This is yeah. not a universal answer to that one. No, it's really a personal preference, knowing yourself, deciding yeah. what type of work environment really suits you well. And, yeah. you know, that's a, that's an important one. And, and one that we should... Pros and cons both ways. Maybe we can do an episode where we really hash that out because 
I'm conflicted on that one. I yeah, man. Well, let's work through your let's work through your issue, and that may be helpful for the other people out there thinking the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I like the fact that yeah. you have the you, you're just kind of blindly working that through, I and mean, I'm presumably right now you have no choice anyway, right? Right. No, yeah. we we literally. I had to go down the other day. This, of course, we're in COVID lockdown right now. I had to go rescue my plants from my office, so now we have plants everywhere in our house. Nice. And I, I, yeah, we're we're locked out at this point. Can't go down there, so we're going to check the mail every few days. And but you know, I mean, it, but it, it has forced us to work from home. But it's made us realize we don't like to work from home all the time. Yeah, and I think yeah. you're probably not the only person to yeah. feel that yeah. right now. Even yeah. yeah, I mean, working from home does does bring a host of issues. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, working from home versus office. I'd be an interesting yeah. discussion. As, as you so, say. So let's bring the ship home here, or uh, whatever the metaphor is. I think that we've got a lot of podcast episodes in the making here. And yes. my hope would be we can dive into these and really bring solutions, suggestions, best practices, ideas for people to think about. And obviously on the facilities issue, work from home versus work from an office, I will be of no help. Uh, the, <laughs> blind, the blind funny. leading the blind on that one. But, yeah, but on funny. other topics, I think there are a lot of... Uh, resources and tips and suggestions that we can really dig into with people to help them work through these these tough business challenges. So that would be my hope, I guess, for this topic in general moving forward. Yeah. yeah I, I, and what I really think is interesting about this topic is it's, they say the confused mind does nothing. Maybe that's yeah. your yeah. case with the office versus home and working, or, yeah. or maybe you should do yeah. both, but we'll work it through. But the point is, it's not just a, an intellectual exercise. There needs to be clarity that is great enough right. for somebody who's listening to go, actually, I could action. do that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they can get into action because you have to overcome that emotional resistance that we've identified. And actually, yeah. I, I often think identifying the sunk cost fallacy and realizing you're in it is yep. just a massive first step. So I'm yep. really glad you mentioned that. I think it's huge. And then cl- a clear path. I think with those two things combined, then you're actually got a fighting chance of really pivoting into something right. which could yep. become a completely life changer in a, a few years' time. And I, totally so yeah, agree. that would be my hope is to transform people's lives. Just, you know, we're aiming low yeah. here. <laughs> but I, I do think that sometimes, <laughs> you know, we both do business, business coaching and I, I think sometimes yeah. the right conversation in the right way can actually unlock the gates there. That's and right. I, yeah. I really would hope that. So yeah, I'm excited about this topic. I'm very passionate about it. So I'm Absolutely. really glad we've we've broken the the, the skin on this one. Yep, I, yep, yep. <laughs> no, I love it. No, I, I think we're into it, man. So this is great. All right, well, let's wrap it here and then uh, we'll see everybody in the next episode. And I should just say uh, as a takeaway, if you haven't checked out the resources on theecommerceleader.com, yes. then be sure to go check that site. We've got resources for you and you know other episodes and all that kind of goodie. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. Jason's upcoming book is all about the nine mountains of traffic. If you would like to be kept posted on when that book is available and to get special bonuses for podcast listeners, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com forward slash traffic. Thanks for listening. Do you want to grow your Amazon business bigger or faster? If so, a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find some golden missed opportunities. This is free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales. If you are, 
just go to myamazonaudits.com, scroll down, click on Amazon Audit and book in a time and we'll see each other on a Zoom call. That's M-Y-A-M-A-Z or Z-O-N-A-U-D-I-T dot com. Thank you very much for listening and I hope to see you on a call soon.